Hello and welcome to The Clavicle, your soon-to-be favorite podcast brought to you by your soon-to-be favorite people. So just like any real engineers out there who procrastinate a lot, we've had this podcast idea for over a year now, actually, but we only got to start doing it now. So thanks to Corona, which has done a terrific job locking us all up at home. So maybe let's tell our two and a half listeners out there who we are, Mono. Do you care to start? Yeah, sure. I mean, safe. Other people would say ladies first, but um, you're not that much of a gentleman, are you? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Puns intended. But um, so my name is Munaniwa, and I mean, it feels weird to say my last name, but I'll say it. So my name is Munaniwa Bore, and I come from Zimbabwe. And in 2016, I came to Germany to pursue my bachelor's study in electrical and computer engineering at Jacobs University in Bremen, um, which is in the north of Germany. And this is how I met. I met. So this is how I met Safe. And um, should I go into that into details or should we just like leave that? I mean, it was, I mean, I guess I could say it briefly. It was in a calculus class and I was struggling with some of the concepts. So um, I just ran to- Wait, wait, wait. Actually, I think it was not a calculus class. It was our general electrical engineering class taught by Me? our favorite professor. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 you're right. Cause yes. I actually did well in calculus. <laughs> It was actually, um, yeah, it was, I, yeah, I remember it very well. Yeah, so we right. were discussing superposition and mm -hmm. seven and stuff in circuits, mm -hmm. which for all the two and a half listeners out there, it's a basic um, electric, uh, electric circuits one class that most electrical engineers um, have to take. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and right after class, you just approached me because uh, I was uh, asking the professor like an idiot. And you were like, hey, Which do you, you understand are? what's going on? <laughs> Which I am sometimes. And you just brought me like, hey, do you understand what's going on? Did you actually get that? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And yeah. that was mainly because I remember him. He was um, like doing double integrals or integration by parts for freshies. Yeah. So the so, so, so thing is, I would, in class, I got lost, right? And it happened yeah. like over two classes and I was like, okay, and you know what? I need to look for help. And the only way I can find help is through other classmates who seem to be understanding. So you look for the tallest guy out there. Well, I didn't look for your height. I just looked for <laughs> other people who seemed to be understanding what was going on, you know? And so, yeah, that's how we met, I guess. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's exactly how we met. So my name is Safe. 
I uh, did graduate with Mono. So we are both um, graduates now. We actually did graduate um, last June. Um, and like she said, from Germany, it's um, Jacobs University. And what am I doing right now? Uh, I am doing my master's in communications engineering, which is kind of a continuation from my bachelor's. And I'm also working very happily right now from home, thanks to Corona. And um, yeah, almost forgot to mention, I am from Cairo, Egypt, and um, my family lives in Abu Dhabi. So I'm kind of all over the world, always between Germany, Abu Dhabi, and Cairo. So yeah, that's me. So today's two main topics are going to be, and I'm sure one of them is going to be pretty interesting to you, Mono, since you are a woman in science and engineering. We're going to be talking about gender equity. Um, in engineering. But before that, you prepared um, another topic for us, which is how to cope with the lockdown and how to start setting boundaries. And I feel this is pretty important because we're, um, we're going through definitely a different phase and it's um, a different psychological experience for most of us. And um, I think a lot of the audience um, or the two and a half listeners out there, um, are, they're going to relate to this topic. So let us know what you have in mind. Okay, but before I start, do you want to go through with our audience how we came up with, you know, the clavicle and the name? Oh, yeah, no, sure. Um, so the podcast, just like as an idea, um, like I said, we came up with it um, almost a year ago. Actually, it's even more than a year ago. So we came up with it um, in 2018, actually. Um, I was in Scotland and Mono was um, in, in Germany. Um, were you doing? Yeah, you were doing your internship. I was doing my internship, in right? No, not Hamburg yes. in Berlin. Berlin. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, so Mona was doing her internship in Berlin, um, uh, and I was doing my exchange semester in the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. And we used to have those kind of um, weekly talks, or I don't know. And then, almost like in all of those talks, we were like, we kind of started discussing um, the economics, um, uh, how countries' economies are doing. And I, re I remember our very first, like, um, discussion that we had out there. And I thought, okay, this is actually interesting, yeah. which was um, Zimbabwe, because they were going through really tough yeah. economic conditions yeah. and with the currency um, devaluation and so forth. Yeah. And, I, like, we, st we started and the like, bonding with the, with the United States dollar. Yes, yes, exactly. And... I, I, like because yeah so we're both electrical engineers um myself i did minor in economics and i've always been kind of passionate about econ so i started just like trying to connect the threads like from what i learned in class and actually seeing it being applied um in a, in a live example just yeah. in, such as zimbabwe and, and for me and, it was it was not really from like a academics point of view but it was more of like okay so my personality type is ENTP so I'm argumentative so I would just like try to oppose what Safe was talking about from personal experience <laughs> and <laughs> yeah so that's how it happened so yeah that is exactly how it happened so so for our two and a half listeners out there who are ready so want to hear about to your topic yeah, sure. so let us know what is it about setting the boundaries and coping up with the lockdown okay.
So this this is something actually quite personal to me because I think it's something that I've learned that to one extent or the other somehow negates what I've been taught going up, growing up. And I think a lot of people from a similar background with me will resonate with this. Um, I was recently listening to a podcast and the speaker was talking about, you know, basically taking responsibility for your actions and emotions while not taking responsibilities for the actions or emotions of others, which is something that's quite often, you know, when someone does something, we quite often blame it on ourselves or we blame it on the other person, you know, like when I'm late, oh, it's because the bus was late instead of, you know what, I was just late. I didn't wake up on time and I could have taken the bus a little bit earlier, but I didn't. But no, when we are late, it's, oh yeah, the train came a little bit early than normal. So um, as I was thinking more about this, I realized that, wait, I think I've heard about this before. This sounds like setting boundaries, basically. And um, it made so much sense because during the time that we're in right now, a lot of people have moved back in with their parents, like you, have moved back in with their partners whom they haven't stayed with. You know, they haven't co-lived in the same space for a very long time. And so oh, I yes, think it's yes. very important to have boundaries, even with people that we are co-living with. And, you know, for my, from my background, you don't have this kind of like setting boundaries where you excuse for yourself, where you excuse yourself from a conversation or where you say, hey, I can't be emotionally involved with what you're talking about right now because I can't. We don't do that. You know, you're always there for other people. And... Um, I was also thinking that, you know, you could also easily extend setting boundaries to dissolving boundaries because, for example, I've been having so many conversations, so many nice, engaging, rich conversations with people on Instagram whom under normal circumstances I honestly wouldn't have texted, you know, but I've just been talking to people. It's like one person replies to my story and the next thing I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Oh, this is what's happening in my life. And I'm like, wait, what? You know, I can resonate with what you're saying. And I think that's also dissolving boundaries because before I wouldn't talk to you if I hadn't met you in person because that's just how I've been. Like, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think I like, I can totally relate with you on this mm-hmm. one. Because I, I literally just, um, I think yesterday or was it the day before yesterday, I just had like um, a chat with a, with a friend, a very old friend that I didn't talk to for at least like three years. Um, we went to high school mm-hmm. together, which was um, five years ago when we graduated. So, yes, it did f- feel very awkward um, if, if it was not for Corona. But actually, since we both have lots of time and this is all what we have, yeah. right now, it felt like, yes, like, let's check on yeah. people, like, let's check on them. And yeah, then it, it did feel great just like to see how, where people at. And I was like, oh my God, you still exist. But but yeah, it was, it felt great. Definitely. So yeah, I can totally relate on this one. Definitely. And I think it enables us to support each other and to have that kind of community feeling, even if it's virtual, you know, because, you know, you know, there are other people who are going through the exact same thing that you're going through, of course, in different ways and in different manners, but ultimately we're all stuck at home and our day-to-day activities aren't the same. And so I think it makes it so much easier to dissolve this kind of social norms of how you should meet someone and how you should talk to someone, you know? Exactly. Like imagine, 
if if the coronavirus happened but i don't know in 1970 where we don't even have social media how would you even be able like we spend a lot of our time netflix mm-hmm. and going on social apps and, and like mm-hmm. talking to people like imagine being in a lockdown without was there a tv in the, in the 70s yes there was so yeah only a tv but i mean how many people had it yeah <laughs> true yeah yeah so yeah um, the corona is hitting us in not the worst timing i would say yeah maybe it's just stupid what i'm saying but but it would it could i'm definitely it, it, it would be worse if it was like in the past exactly. or like, We're connecting like in the 70s or hard something. right yeah exactly yeah. yes and one thing that i was thinking about you know is self soothing that it's definitely a need and it shouldn't be seen as something that's rude but for example if you're living with someone or your parents your siblings your partner i think it's really okay and important to be able to say you know what right now i can't talk anymore and just leaving that conversation go to your own room or go to your own space and just listen to music calm yourself down or if you're having a conversation that is going wrongly and you're starting to lose it it's it's also okay i think you know to say you know what i have nothing left to give right now i have nothing positive to say to this conversation and i think <laughs> that i need to be excused from it and whilst that is important i also think it's great you know for you to come back since you're the one who excused yourself for you to come back and say hey i've had time to breathe can we continue do you still need my input but i think it's really important to have like these moments where you self soothe and where you have time for yourself and you can calm down and get into a mental space where you're able to somehow reconnect with yourself you get me i think this is all about maintaining your own mental yeah. health because i feel it's something that like even when i was like probably in high school and people would start talking about their mental health and about how important it is that you like kind of like stop people where they're like being so extra and then care a bit more and invest a bit into your own mental health i I used to think okay this is you know like um like you know those spiritual indian temple like (laughs) stuff but actually it is very it's important, important. i mean it's important stress causes like a it lot of harm and all of those psychological it issues does. could eventually be something that is more physical yeah. and you would start yeah. to feel it you know you know one thing that i do in the morning is to do like a stress test where i'm like okay so what is my anxiety level what is my humor level what is my playful level what is my focus level you know you get that kind of thing where i'm trying to assess how my mood is like and then i let the people i'm staying with know and i also let my partner know you know that hey right now i feel very focused so don't interrupt me or i could explode so don't mess around me right now <laughs> or, hey, which happens always okay fine yeah stop stop <laughs> i'm not always moody but yeah um cueing the other person i think is important and i think it's a way to communicate how you feel so that the other person is not startled by your behavior and i mean i think we could also talk about it in a conversation not necessarily judge me or justify myself or debate about it but just communicating how i'm feeling and that the other person can validate my feelings that's all 
so yeah, this has been really helpful for me during this lockdown. And um, I'm keen to hear how you and also our listeners have managed to cope, especially in situations that are not typical. So yeah, I mean, this is very like it's um it's a nice suggestion. So we we this is literally our very first episode and our very first time to even start recording a podcast. We're not even sure of what platforms we're gonna be um, exporting <laughs> this to, but if that platform or where you're listening right now, you could comment, then definitely leave a comment, or you could like reach us uh, through our social media. Let us know. Um, we would be really interested to know how you cope with that. Alrighty. So that was me and my topic. Uh-huh. I guess we could start on what you have prepared for us. Um. I mean, they're not really, like really prepared, but just like a, a thing that I uh, I've been like thinking about, uh, like I thought about a bit, and it's um it's a bit argumentative because it's all about gender equity in engineering. Right now, right. we have um to address the gender imbalances in male-dominated um, industries. Um, you know what? Um, what because of those gender imbalances, universities start to lower entry scores for female applicants in male-dominated courses or majors. You know, and um, I was discussing with, um, I was talking to, uh, to my, one of my colleagues like a few months ago, and then um, he, he started thinking this is pretty unfair. And this, like what basically started up this whole train of thought in my head. The main argument is that why universities lower their entry scores for female applicants is that they're, they're trying to say they, they need to be destructive because quite frankly, what we've been doing to date is just not working. You don't have that, that. As, as many females uh, within engineering or science, basically, um, um, courses just um, as males. And their argument is that um, they're not admitting underperforming students, not really, because it's more of letting those young women get on the first steps. It's like a step stone. And then I believe like they would have to go um, to undergo all the same exams, all the um, in same internships and all the graduation requirements, just like their male counterparts. Right. But so what, what is your take on this first? So um, I would say I am pro gender equality in engineering. In fact, not only engineering, but STEM in general. And with regards to this lowering of requirements in order to allow a bigger number of women to enroll on the program, I would also be in agreement with that because what we are seeking to do is to provide an opportunity for people who have been historically, statistically been marginalized and disadvantaged, right? And I think it's important to give everybody a chance. When it comes to performance, I think it's in general overrated that we simply measure one's abilities based on their academic performance, because I think we are beings who are made up of so many different complexities and abilities. And my passing or failing linear algebra should not mean that, you know, I don't make a good engineer. So 
yeah that's my basic thought for now yeah uh, that's, that's that's quite interesting but i'm just like gonna like let you know of like um present those counter arguments that i um came up with so um actually um some universities in australia are starting doing that and um some of the comments and how people reacted to this are like as follows so one um one girl said or one woman said she's like as a woman i am offended because such move reinforces the myth that women are not as smart as men um, another one thought, universities normally allocate adjustment points to some applications based on disability. So does that mean like being a woman is a disability now? And mm. another would say that um, you're openly saying that this way that female engineers are not as good as male engineers, because we have to think about it as follows. It's all about, so right now we're talking about the admission phase, right? So within you're the right. office, you're telling, you're telling the university to be more biased where it's accepting more girls than guys. Mm. Um, it might not mm -hmm. be very fair. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm going to speak from personal experience, I would say that a lot of people assume that engineering is hard without trying it out, just based on their gut feeling and on the stereotypes that they've heard, right? And I am at the same time not saying engineering is easy, but I'm not, so I'm not supporting this line of thought that engineering is extremely hard and you cannot achieve being an engineer. And the idea in my own um, perspective of lowering the entry requirements is to at least have a greater pool of people entering the discipline so that you have the chances of the number of people who are retained within the discipline increasing well that makes sense but maybe let's listen to this real life example and then okay. uh, let me know how you feel about it okay because you're all for um pulling uh, pulling women or trying to attract um women into science but okay. we might be overlooking a minor issue in here which is fairness so um i have actually a real life example so it's someone that i know um so i have um it's a um a dude like a male friend and also a female friend they are uh, they were both undergrads and um they both applied to the same company for an internship and um so the guy did not get accepted but the mm -hmm. girl did um the company is actually well known for supporting women in stem so like for mm -hmm. them it's like probably one of the requirements which again is similar to what universities do by being a bit biased towards admitting um female applicants more than male applicants Mm -hmm. The key point is that this um, dude was actually this girl's TA. So he was her teaching assistant for several or several courses, which means that not only that, that he's like older than her um, in the field and also his skill set is much bigger and stronger than hers. Um, but the, uh, but the company still chose the, the female applicant and the, right. the dude was like, this is just not fair to me because as a male um, candidate, who could outperform the admitted female applicants, why, why did this just happen? Is it, it's, it's like now they're just like allocating people based on their gender, despite not, not based on like the skill set, which should be the key requirement, right? This is where I come in with the argument that look, um, it becomes a complex story, right? For example, if you're working for a company that manufactures mobile phones, 
you are not only offering your your professional expertise about you know how should we properly implement this technology or that technology there's so much more as a candidate that you can offer companies and i think that people who think that being gender blind are simply thinking that all you have to offer is your professional expertise but no as a woman as a woman sorry as a woman i bring in more than just my professional expertise i bring my diversity i bring my background i bring my perspectives i bring my outlooks and all of these things will eventually build up into bringing a better product at the end of the day and we need to acknowledge the fact that things are not just simple that yes you can get for example the transfer function of an equation correctly but in a real life setting can you correctly interact with others can you provide perspectives that will make the product better can you provide perspectives about how a certain demographic of people will interact with this product you know at the end of the day it's no longer about just is this product useful but it's more of is it useful for the user and if you bring more than just your professional expertise it balances out with other things that you can bring in which are also equally important for yeah uh, this is like quite frankly pretty interesting um but let me remind you of something so if university has to only admit 500 students and okay. um when it comes to those narrowing down and then admitting this uh, female applicant do you know that by that they actually um um rejected uh, a male applicant who might have a better skill uh, skill set right doesn't it make it a bit unfair to, to the other dude like he actually lost the comp like the whole opportunity just because of his gender which this i actually like i i think okay well i get your take on this and it totally makes sense and i was actually thinking about it back then and 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 i realized this is actually quite analogous with bernie sanders medicare for all the healthcare plan in the us and i know you right. don't want to you don't want me to talk about the us politics <laughs> but it's actually pretty it let's hear me out i think it will be pretty similar in a way it's pretty analogous so uh, generally um i'd say no do not make all of the healthcare public uh, because that will be a bit unfair to the people working in the private health insurance sector and also by eliminating the private health insurance market you'll also eliminate almost all of the competition that a free economic market brings you you know so just like off the top of my head we'd you'd say okay this is actually not fair but actually given the fact that the healthcare system in the US is so so deeply flawed you need a progressive and radical change just like medicare for all so maybe just maybe the only way to fight such a deeply rooted flawed system or ideology is by taking radical measures you know that that's that's something that i resonate with and um if i were going to talk about fairness i would then say where was fairness 150 years ago when women couldn't vote where was fairness 150 years ago when women were not allowed to be in the workplace so now that we want to introduce women into the workplace we have taken measures that you know um make sure that that is realized then i'm not saying let us not be unfair but i'm just saying where was fairness 150 years ago exactly. i mean exactly. no we cannot blame the people who are there right now for what happened 150 years ago but i'm just saying that sometimes there are 
such processes required in order to reset the equation. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I think this would make sense to, you need to be disruptive or you need to take some kind of relatively radical measure just in order to combat a very deeply rooted flawed system which is in this case because like 100 years ago um who would have thought that like you know like female pilots there are not so many of them um female doctors 100 years ago there were not so many of them um you we need to change this this has been history and um we need to start rewriting it because and 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 by doing that i think we need to take some radical matters so it might be a bit unfair but how could you attract and how uh, women in a science and how could you actually try to balance the equation without making such a or taking such a disruptive measure yes and i think the other problem is because most of these institutions and universities start treating the problem from the secondary side and yet it has deeper roots right from the primary side which is that um, from the onset to be honest i only became aware of some opportunities within technology that i could work in about four years ago so before that i only knew that you could be a civil engineer or you could be a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant but if somebody had presented all these opportunities to me at an earlier age that would have just expanded my horizon and my spectrum and if somebody had at that age told me the requirements and the necessities of getting into these positions where at an age, at a tender age i would have been able to already work towards it and improve myself and improve my academic performance accordingly you know but all of a sudden you know i come to university and i have to meet some kind of bar which i was not aware of from the onset which kind of makes sense why we don't have a lot of retention in this area yes this makes perfect sense because actually like one of the other kind of arguments that i read about which makes sense so it's exactly what you just said many female students just did not cover the prerequisites for science and engineering programs um, from, um in high school and in fact actually only 26 percent of women score above 700 on gre quantitative section which is like the standardized test um, in order to be um, accepted in grad schools so because only 26% of them score above 700, you're, um, they're, they get excluded from nation's elite STEM graph programs. Exactly. So it might have been that women, we're, it's not only about um, um, employers or universities lower, lowering the bar to attract women um, with, to join the program, but also maybe it, it's something that is not, not only deeply rooted because it's... Um, um, kind of like gender bias from history and blah blah, but it's actually deeply rooted because um, women do not get the the enough prerequisites um, exactly. from high school. Exactly. Yeah. It goes back to the same drawing board awareness and letting people know that hey, there isn't much to this engineering profession. All you need to do is A B C D, and I think I have a very succinct way of saying it making tech look sexy making engineering look sexy for everyone because so many people envision it as being something difficult hard um stressful and un unachievable impossible which 
I wouldn't completely dismiss, but I would say there are also so many other positive sides to tech and to engineering, which are also worthwhile. So we need to demystify tech. We need to demystify this industry and to change the narrative and to rebrand it and present it as something a bit more appealing to women. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. So yeah, so these were um, our two topics for today. Um, before we close up, do you want to um, maybe, Mono, do you want to like, let's tell our audience like um, why we came up with, with uh, the name of our podcast, The Clavicle. Any clue? Okay. I'll say just a little bit of it because mm -hmm. you better explain it. Um, the Clavicle is the smallest bone in the human body and it is right here by the neck and the shoulder. It joins those two body parts together. And in as much as it's very significant that it joins the neck and the shoulder, it's also insignificant because you can live without it. Exactly. exactly. I'm not quite sure if it's the smallest bone, but it's just um, like maybe the least important bone. It's like the clavicle. The clavicle, as a name, it actually means little key in Latin. It is, like you said, the bone that we all have joining our necks and with shoulders. But um, it is, like you said, the same bone that we actually don't necessarily need and could easily live without. It supports your arm and provides a wide range of movements. So we kind of picture ourselves like the clavicle. You could easily live without us, but you'll, missing, you'll be missing out on a lot of wide range of thoughts, you know, in our case. Right. So um, um, one last thing before um, we close up, um, I would like to, uh, to give some personal acknowledgements um, to other podcasts and their hosts who actually made, um, made me like the idea of creating a podcast of our own. Like they've kind of inspired me. Um, these were uh, the podcasts that I used to listen to every day when I was going to my internship, which was in Dubai and I used to take the bus for two hours, going in two hours back. So definitely needed some podcasts that maybe would be that, maybe would be, would offer the same kind of thing to like people who would like listen to us during their commute. So the, those podcasts and podcasters who have inspired me, I'm just gonna mention them. Chelsea Peretti uh, with her podcast called Chelsea Peretti, Bill Burr and his, and his podcast, um, Monday Morning Podcast. Alison Rosen and her podcast, Your New Best Friend, John Oliver and Andy Zaltzman, of course, and their amazing podcast, The Bugle. And I have been inspired by also like a couple of podcasters. There's Esther Perel with Where Should We Begin? There is Sads Are In The Morning. I forgot the name of those guys. <laughs> There's some two Zimbabwean dudes. And then there is James Clear with Beyond the To-Do List. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'd just like to remind our audience, we are not together. Uh, right now, we are actually in, um, like, I mean, <laughs> geographically, uh, ge geography-wise. Um, this podcast is brought to you by, um, from um, Abu Dhabi, where I am at right now, and from Germany, where Mona's at right now. Um, if you've actually listened this far to, the, to our podcast and you actually find it one ounce of being interesting, thank you so much. And stay tuned to 
um, listening um, to our upcoming podcast. Thank you so much and have a good night, good evening, whatever the time is. Good morning. Maybe. Oh, good morning. Yes. <laughs>